You know, five years from today, you're going to be the exact same person that you are right now, except for the books that you read and the people you get to meet along the way. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Cattle Pros. I'm your host, Jake Scott. You know, I was thinking back to some of the best teachers I ever had in life. And the fact is, the teachers I learned the most from were those who had real-world experience. And today's guest is going to teach us from a standpoint of real-world experience. He's a person who's out there living the life every day. It's Jason Elmore from Elmore Cattle Services in Wacomas, Oklahoma. Now, Jason operates a Simital, purebred Simital operation and also a custom fitting business from their home there in Wacomas. Also heavily involved with education and promoting of uh, different show products through the Weaver Pro Staff uh, team that he's involved with. It's going to be a great opportunity and we're going to get to pick Jason's brain today about how we should best transition our cattle from the summer months to the fall months. And specifically, we're going to break down things like daily show barn care, feeding, even get into some selection things as we go out maybe looking for some new calves to halter break in the pasture or go buy from a sale. We hope you enjoy today's Cattle Pros episode with Mr. Jason Elmore. Jason Elmore, first and foremost, welcome to the Cattle Pros podcast, man. How are you? I'm good, Jake. Hey, I, I, I'm excited about this. I think what you're doing with these podcasts are pretty cool. I've been looking forward to watching each of them that you've done, and man, what an honor to to be a part of it. Well, it's our pleasure, and we're we're delighted to have you on here. And uh, it's uh, it's great to talk to anybody on the podcast, but someone that you've known for a while, which uh, it's even better. And certainly, you and I have known each other for a while, going back to the days of. I think when we first maybe ran into each other, it would have been Connor State College. Uh, we wasn't exactly the same age, but we were kind of the same era. And as folks, if as you listeners listen to the podcast, you're going to pick up on this a lot, that a lot of uh, our, our friends and our contacts, it goes back to those old Connors days or to our high school and college days and some of those early relationships and friendships that we've made that have lasted uh through the ages and up until this point, and that kind of describes you and me, Jason. Yep, the good old days. The good old days. But, man, you've come a mile since then. And, um, you know, we, we were all on judging teams. Um, we all had similar interests, and, and so we were all in the same places and hangouts. And, you know, I can remember spring breaks, Jason, where uh, we were a little odd in the old College of Ag, us cattle kids, instead of going home and hanging out or going on a, one of these big vacations that people go on now for spring break, we would go find a job somewhere. We'd go find a sale or a show or some place to maybe hustle up a little money doing some cattle work, and, and we'd run into each other there, too. Yeah, uh, I remember a lot of them. Yeah, I, do I was thinking bowls, about that. Sharing sales. Yeah, yeah, and it was fun. Gosh, we were, God, we were just thrilled, or at least I was, to think that, man, somebody's going to actually pay me money to get to go do this stuff. And You got paid. Yeah, right. I know, isn't it something? But no, that was that was cool, and that's how so many of us met. And uh, but what I was saying, you've come just tremendously, uh, uh, made so much progress, and and built such a career out of that. You know, for some people, it's a hobby, and that's okay. Uh, for some people, that's just kind of a beginning of their career, and it evolves into something different. But you, this has been a track for you, man. This has been your career, your life since then, and and up until today. Now, and you and your family operate what's called the Elmore Cattle Services. 
you were there in Wacomas, Oklahoma, your wife, of course, Jenny, and got two young daughters, and they're showing now. But you guys primarily breed and raise Simital cattle. Is that right? Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. Uh, I grew up in the in the Simital industry and or the Simital breed. And, uh, you know, I've got to give a lot of credit to that breed alone because uh, if it wasn't for the Simital cattle, uh, who knows where I'd be. You know, they were the reason that, well, it was a Simmental show that, that took me to Connors, that introduced me to Connors. It was a Simmental breed that uh, opened the door to the people I know and kind of the location of where we're at in Oklahoma. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, there's there's a lot for us that goes back to the Simmental cattle, but we have a handful of other breeds, um, you know, not very many. We don't have a whole bunch of cattle as compared to a lot of people. Uh, we run about oh, 60 head of cows and do some embryo work on the side at other places. But it, it is, it is to answer your question, it is dominantly Simmental cattle. It's, uh, that's a good point that you bring up, just like we were talking about those connections that we all made as, as kids in college. Boy, you make so many of those connections with the breed that you get established in. And I was thinking about that before the video. Your family, that's really pretty special to tell the story about your family and maybe – Give us a brief rundown on that because your dad was in the business, you're in the business, you have a brother that's in the business. This is truly a, a family affair, and I'm not talking about all of you working at the same ranch necessarily, but each of you independently are heavily involved in the business and have been for some time. That's pretty neat. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, Jake, first and foremost, uh, you know, all credit's got to go to God. You know, he, he's watched over the ignorant. I'm living proof of that. <laughs> Um, but you know, my, we, we grew up in, uh, the plains of Colorado. Uh, that's where my mom and dad were both born and raised in that area. That's where my brother and I obviously were born and raised. Um, my dad was an ag teacher and, you know, beyond being an ag teacher, <clears throat> uh, he did a lot of things. He, he was an ag teacher. He was a track coach and he jumped into the purebred part of things. And back then, uh, when I was either either before I was born or went right after that, uh, dad got in partnerships with one of the first guys to ever take Simmental cattle to the state of Colorado. Mm. And so that was kind of the start. And he, you know, furthered it from there. You know, I remember being a kid and uh, one of dad's very first partnerships that he did a lot with was uh, was Bill Couch. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, you think about Willie Couch, you know, uh, you talk about how, uh, uh, how God has a plan and how things work out. You know, my dad and Bill were partners in, with cattle years ago, along with a number of other people in the history of the Simmental breed. But now Willie and I, you know, we, we got a couple of partnership deals and we live 11 miles apart. Oh, that's um, crazy. So, you know, it, it's a small world. It's it funny how things all come together. You know, a little more history on that. Um, when I was nine years old, uh, my dad took me right over here to Orlando, Oklahoma, uh, to drop off, pick up some cattle uh, by a, from a gentleman that had Simmental cattle at the time. And that man took me to Stillwater. And I remember at nine years of age saying, man, I want to go to school at Oklahoma State and I want to run cows. And I want to live in Orlando. Well, I went to Oklahoma State, and as the crow flies, I'm about 20 miles from Orlando. So uh, it all kind of worked out good. But, 
my brother and I both uh, ended up at Connors, both went it on to Oklahoma State. Uh, he's managing a limousine Red Angus operation over near Sand Springs, PBRS. My mom and dad moved to Oklahoma. They're in northeast Oklahoma now, um, still running a handful of cows. So, yeah, the, the cow business in general, um, Simmental business, it, it's been a part of our lives for as long as I've been doing it. It's been good to your family, and now it sounds like you've got the whole tribe gathered back up in Oklahoma. So that's got to be special, too, especially now that there's grandkids involved and grandmas and grandpas. you got to have some time together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, we're not all right here together and see each other all the time. But, uh, you know, family's pretty important. You know, just the four of us in this house. Uh, you know, it's that's first and foremost. You know, uh, God first, family second, and the four of us. Uh, uh, we do it all. Um, no full time help. Uh, we get by with just a little bit of part time. Um, I need to give my wife more credit than anything. She, she's really on more cattle services. I'm the guy that just kind of pulls in the drive and is going three or four nights a week and. and do what she says needs to be done when I get home. So. We, we both outkicked our coverage, I think, when it comes to to our wives. And we're both very, oh, yeah. very lucky. Oh, yeah. We married up. That is true. Hey, so Elmore Cattle Services, you know, it's a family operation. But in the Simital business, you guys promote that thing a ton. And one way that you're doing that is, you know, you guys are pretty heavily involved with exhibiting these show cattle as a, are these cattle as a way to promote them and get them out in front of people. So I know not only your own genetics there that you guys are breeding and raising in Wacomas, but also you've even branched out and as part of the business, you do some custom fitting. Is that right? Do you still do that? Yeah, we do. We do. And in fact, that custom fitting has a, has a lot to, you know, a lot to do with where we're at today in 2020. Um, you know, I'll tell you a little bit of history on the custom fit part of things for us. That, you know, right out of college, I, I thought I had my dream job. Um, I was managing an Angus operation. We were showing cattle, selling cattle. I loved it. And our firstborn, Pepper, she'd come along. And it didn't take me too long to realize that, man, I'm doing what I'm love, but I'm missing out on my own kid, my own house, my own family, my own cattle. And, uh, I stayed up late one night. In fact, I never went to bed. And my wife came in there in the living room the next morning, and she's like, what are you doing? Did you ever go to bed? I said, no, I didn't. She's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, uh, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> and she got this bug-eyed look. She's like, no, you're not. And that was the start of Elmore Cattle Services. We saw, uh, you know, this great state, Oklahoma, there's – Man, well, you're talking about an abundance of, of breeders and good yeah, cattle. There is. There of really all is. Breeds. It's a hub. I, I mean, from the Panhandle to, to the Southeast, yes. I mean, the, this state is incredible. And that's a big part of why I always want to be in Oklahoma, was just the cattle and the cattle people. A lot of opportunities. And, yeah. And we saw, we saw that uh, there were a lot of people out there that had some great cattle of any breed and great genetics but they didn't have the time, the knowledge or facilities to promote them, Mm -hmm. to get one ready for a picture, to get one ready for a sale in Denver. Um, you know, no matter what breed it was. And we started off, uh, you know, real small. Um, we set out that first year to go to Denver. Um, 
we had uh, three custom fit cattle and one of my dad's and one of our own. We went to dinner with five. And in a year's time, that five head ended up being 38 head. Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah, we, we kind of created a monster in a short amount of time that, that we kind of outgrew ourselves. We didn't kind of. We did. We outgrew our, our place, our ability, our manpower uh, drastically. So there was a big need for it. And that custom fit deal has stayed with us. Uh, we've been blessed to now raise a lot of them ourselves. But, man, we, we've dealt with the absolute greatest people on earth in that custom fit deal. And people to put their trust and their faith in us to prepare and to get their cattle ready for shows or sales. Man, what it's an honor, but it's also our love. And so, yeah, we still do that. Uh, we still do a large portion of it. Um, we have scaled back on the total numbers. Um, it wasn't too long ago. You know, two or three years ago, and I know I'm referring to Denver. You know, we were sitting at Denver with 44 head mm-hmm. um, and mm. five different breeds. So we've scaled that back a little bit, but yeah, it's still a big part of what we do. Well, I love the story and how you said you started small, pretty humble beginnings. You you made it to Denver with five head the first year, but two of those were family cattle, three of them custom fit cattle. But it sounds like Jason that gave you. Uh, the financial ability and some cash flow to kind of get the thing going and 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 be able to to create your own job as you said do it for yourself and still put food on the table and and of course I know you had a lot of help too from Jenny and your family all pulling together to make that happen that's got to be a team effort but but it did blow up so how long did it take from you to get from that you know first five head that first year to where you got to the point, you said, man, we got to scale it back. I mean, we talking five years or did that happen over two years? No, it, uh, that, that first year is five head. That next year was 38. And we hovered in that 30 to 40 head at Denver for, oh gosh, Jake, it had to have been six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe even longer. It may have been eight. I would have to do the math and go back and look, but, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of a change um, in the industry, like we've all seen. You know, uh, when we started, um, in fact, that first year, we had an online sale in the company that hosted our sale. Uh, we were one of three sales that entire company had that whole month. And you look at the online business now. and Might be three smokes, a day. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so when we started, you know, people, yeah, you could you could spend a thousand twelve hundred dollars run a full page ad, or you could spend twelve fifteen hundred dollars and send an actual live animal with us to Denver or whatever show it would be, and so that was the advertisement part for ourselves and for others. Twelve thirteen years ago, when we started Elmore Cattle Services, well, was huge. I mean. That was their avenue of getting those cattle in front of people. And now it, it's, you know, the Internet, uh, you know, and I, I'll try not to get on a soapbox with it. I, I think the greatest and the worst thing that's happened to our society is Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about that. You know, so that that's changed a lot. People have different avenues now of advertising and promoting their their program or their cattle. Mm-hmm. Um but I still believe in our base customers that, that I talk to weekly. 
they still believe in the relationships and being in the barns and talking to the yes. people and physically shaking hands and putting them out there for people to see them. Uh, we all still believe in that, you know, or at least the majority of our customers do. So that's why we continue to, you know, stay busy with it. The downsize part, downsizing part of it, it really came when, when I guess our girls got more active. Mm-hmm. Um, Able to show themselves you know, and. Yeah. You know, man, I was spending all the time working on other people's cattle, you know, yeah. mainly open yeah. show cattle. And when our girls got started, I was like, you know, I'm not going to miss out on what they're doing. So we get and at the same time. We've got enough cattle of our own put together that we were promoting and showing and advertising and selling our own. So we scaled it back kind of, kind of all at one time. So, you know, as that business grew though, it opened some doors and other opportunities for you. And, um, now I know that you're part of the pro staff team for Weaver Livestock because we see a lot of social media posts about you, and I know you're doing clinics with Weaver now. So this thing has really grown beyond just what you're doing at home, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. And once again, man, man, have we been blessed. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you, doing a podcast, staring out the office window, seeing these cows, and, you know, out here at the front yard, and I'm thinking, my goodness, you know what? Uh, uh, this poor guy from the plains of Colorado, man, the good Lord took care of him a long way, but the Weaver deal did come in play. Um, and, and so, so thankful for it. You know, I think it's a, what a phenomenal company, you know, their core values, uh, their code of ethics that they put in every catalog is, is top notch. And, and I won't get into that real deep, but, you know, I had the opportunity, um, very dear friend of mine, somebody I'd looked up to my whole life, Kirk Stairwalt. You know, he called me up and he's like, hey, why don't you uh, come to Ohio and check out this Weaver deal? And, and I did. And it was more of just kind of get familiar with who they were. And I kind of stayed in touch with a few of them because, man, I just, I believe in their company. You know, not necessarily the product, just the people and the reasoning behind it. And they offered us a, a pro staff position. And yes, I, you know, I'm the one doing majority of the clinics and I'm the one that, you know, gets to be on the social media part of it. But when they approached us, it was really more on a family terms of things. And because we are, it's the family, our four of us, you know, we do everything together. And, you know, talk about uh, being a proud papa, you know, when somebody wants your whole family to be a part of something. Um, you bet. That's a pretty yeah. proud moment. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Absolutely. So, the Weaver deal has worked in, it just fits with us. Mm-hmm. It fits with our thoughts. It fits with what we want to do. Uh, we love doing those clinics. And I say we because Jenny and I and our whole family do a lot of them together. Um, man, I love working with those kids. You know, uh, there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind, uh, you can find people that are every bit as talented, and I know without a doubt more talented than I am when it comes to these show cattle. Um, she'd be hard pressed to find somebody that's as passionate about the youth in this industry as Elmore Cattle Services. So we have really ran with that Weaver deal and used it to, uh, to serve others, to instruct others, to financially help us through clinic part of things. Uh, it's a big, big part of our lives. And Jason, you know, it's it's been a good run for you here as of late. 
Um, I know as you've gotten more deeply involved with everything, you've also gotten more deeply involved with breeding your own cattle and promoting and showing your own cattle. And, and we talk about these Simital cattle, and I want to be specific, you're in the purebred seed stock side of the business, and you guys have just had a tremendous run, um, even from someone outside of the breed like myself, peeking over the fence a little bit and seeing what's going on over uh, on your side. Um, I know you guys have shown some some pretty high-powered bulls and have had a lot of success. What's the last year or two looked like for you on the show road? Wow, Jake, it, it's, it's been really good. Uh, in fact, uh, more than once in the last three years, I've jokingly said to my wife, I'm like, you know, we might ought to retire because I, I don't know that's going to get any better than this. <laughs> um, <laughs> financially, that's darn sure not going to happen. And, yes, we've been able to raise some of those that have won national shows, but we've been able to partner with uh, some of the absolute best people in the industry and in that breed and be a part of some of those bulls that have won. And my daughter brought this to my attention the other night because I guess I'm a little bit old school, a little bit weirdo, that I still have an old wooden show stick and I still engrave, you know, the big wins on it. And... She asked me, she said, Dad, have you counted those up lately? And I said, no, I haven't. And she did. And uh, Since we've been Elmore Cattle Services, which is less than 12 years, uh, we've been able to, to own or exhibit or manage or be a part of a 14 head that have won national shows. Um, the last few years have been really good to us. The Simmental Association and the, and the board have stepped up and put more emphasis on the show ring. And they have their PTP shows, and they have had uh, what they call their ring of champions. And both the purebred and the percentage side of things in the last three years for the bulls for the bull division, uh, we've had one of the top three bulls on both purebred and percentage the last three years, or since that deal's been in existence. So uh, we're we're pretty excited about that. We're very honored because because you know as well as I do, Jake. Uh, it ain't easy. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of cat, cat, a lot of good people, a lot of money running around out there. Um, but we have been very blessed to be a part of that. And, you know, I mentioned passion with those, with those kids and, uh, in those clinics, um, hands down, you know, a tie runner or a close second my passion is working and feeding those big bulls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talk about get my motor going. Man, I, I love working with the big guys. Well, how cool is it now that we'll start going to some state fairs and some uh, some big shows, you know, if we get to have them, hopefully. But the Kansas Cities and the Louisvilles and the Denvers, when you walk through the aisles and there's a big two- or three-year-old bull standing up there, that, you know, gigantic legs and great big top and hip and, and maxed out and fit. I mean, that is – if that doesn't get your blood pumping, come on. That, that, that didn't get much better. That's cool. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still old school enough that, uh, you know, obviously I've got a great appreciation for the mama cow. Um, but, you know, I grew up where in that time, you know, it was it was go find the big bull that was winning the shows, and that's the one everybody was going to yeah. use. So I'm a little bit hung up on that, and, and it's a challenge. And, you know, I love a challenge, and, you know, to take one of those guys and, and put them on a trailer and up and down the roads and on asphalt and 
you know, you know all the stress you put them critters through. And when you got a good one that that can eat and stay sound and stay functional, that's good stock. And I don't care what breed it is, uh, man. I just I get super excited about about those bulls that are out there. One being shown, but two being used in programs and AI programs. And uh, that, that's still, of my opinion, that, that's heart of the industry. It is, and, it, and that gives you a good look at the breeding program and, and the direction that the breeds are going and the, the trends maybe that people are going after or the corrections they're making, adjustments might be a better word that people are making. But, um, you know, as we talk about the fall and some of the fall show seasons, that's really what we want to dial in on today in this episode and talk to you a little bit more about. I mean, obviously with the bio you just gave us, you're as actively involved in this as anybody, and, and you do a great job with it, too, and it's, it's I hope, going to be very beneficial to our listeners of, of all ages and all walks to hear some of your recommendations on how are we going to make some adjustments as we move from the summer months into the fall months, getting ready for some of these state fairs and some of these big shows that we're going to. And, folks, that's the, you know, I know we're all listening to this podcast at a little different time of the season, but Jason and I are talking at the end of August, and you know the nights are starting to cool off at least. We're still getting warm in the day, but you can feel it. I mean, fall's around the corner, you know, and and things change in the way that we handle our show cattle, the way we manage our show cattle. That needs to change with the weather, and that's what we're we want to talk to you about, Jason. So let's just jump right into that. You know, let's talk about some of these changes that we can be and should be making getting uh, uh, these cattle prepared to the to their max for some of the fall shows that we're going to go to. So let's start with like the daily hair care at home. And I'll just for perspective, I'll tell you kind of where we're at right now, and you can kind of tell me maybe where we should go. But we've had some Angus heifers in the barn. We went to the Angus Junior Heifer Show this summer. And, you know, we were all about just trying to grow any hair, right? And so we've got them up early and in the barn, right, before it gets too too warm. We got the fans on them. We're rinsing them as aggressively as we can, you know, at least once a day, hopefully twice a day. Um, we're not going to turn them out of that barn until it starts getting cool again or gets dark at night. But that's probably not the, the thing we need to be doing now when the days break a little bit and this weather breaks. So tell us about some of these daily changes we need to make to our routine. First of all, thank God we're about time for fall. <laughs> it's, been hot, it's been a hot <laughs> August, at least up here. <laughs> Jeez. I just, I don't, I don't do well in the heat. And uh, for, first thing I'm going to change is, man, I can't wait to put on a hoodie and cotton gloves. I mean, that that, that gets me excited just thinking about that already. But <laughs> I'm with you on that. Some of the for, for us, um, you know, we're going to keep those cattle in the barn still quite a bit. Okay. You know, um, the daylight hours are shorter, so you know they're going to be in the barn. Uh, less total amount of time. Sure, but, just because of the shorter days. Yep. Yeah, and you know, those, those folks listening to this, and <clears throat> hopefully we, we get more than just you and I visiting, you know, to hear this, but, um, you know, you got to know your area, where you're from, where you live, what your climate is. That's a good point. What, it's it's what, different. What weather, yeah, what the weather change is. Here in Oklahoma, man, we can roll clear in the, getting ready to go to Kansas City, and that sun at high noon, one o'clock, is pretty intense. You're still fighting those, the heat. Yeah, and them cattle have hair. Yeah. So the time in the barn isn't going to change a whole lot. Okay. Um, it will definitely, cloudy, cool days and northern breeze days, 
yeah, man, I'm a big believer in keeping these cattle fresh and, and they can get stale being in a barn pretty quick. Um, actual routines and what we'll do is, you know, one thing here at our place in the summer months, uh, we pretty much lock the blowers up. Um, you know, yeah, I, I wish, I wish I could sit here and tell you we rinse twice a day, seven days a week and, uh, three times on Saturday, but that that's not the case. You know, I'm realistic. We're extremely busy, no different than everybody else. But in the summer months, um, I have a hard time, hard time blowing hot air on cattle that we're trying to cool down. That's interesting. So we, we use just a lot of brushing. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that's majority of what we do in the summer. Now, just today, you know, we're starting in on some of these sale babies. Um, and you're right, man, just, just in two weeks' time, um, I'm a weirdo, and I look forward to fall. So I, I look at uh, when the sun sets every day. Right now, we're shaving about a minute and a half off sunlight every day. So uh-huh. just in those two weeks, that hair, uh, especially on some of the slicker ones that we haven't had in the barn all summer, it's starting. And and we'll start in breaking out those blowers. And that's the probably the biggest change is we're going to go from brushes to blowers. Okay. And we'll use blowers, obviously, a whole lot more. Um, Product-wise, um, we're big believers of the Weaver Pro Hair 100. Um, we okay, tell us about that. Is that a sheen kind of a product? It, it is. It's, uh, we've actually used it to replace the majority of our sheens and oils. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not a scientist by no means, but there's, you know, there's vitamins, minerals in there, and it's been scientifically put together to, to help grow hair. And whether it does or not, that's a product that we love. Yes, for growing hair. Yes, just giving them some bloom. And we use it a lot. Now, getting into fall, come winter, you know, if we have a fall in Oklahoma, and you live down here, you know that, man, we can go from summer to winter pretty quick. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've really got to watch, and going back to what I said, that you got to know uh, your environment, the weather, and where you're at. Because those folks in North Dakota are going to be a whole lot different than southern Oklahoma or Texas. But mm-hmm. um, the fall months, the winter months, uh, typically our air is drier. Mm-hmm. And those cattle are going to dry out quicker. And you've got more hair that's going to dry out quicker. Mm-hmm. So besides using pro hair year-round, now we're going to start in using some oils, using some conditioners, you know, some things to keep them cattle from getting that cold, dry, brittle look or feel that a lot of them can in the winter months. And is that going to be a part of a daily program? Or is it like I'm going to use some of my sheen product daily every second, third day, throw some oil in? I know that's a tough question to answer because it's probably, you know, you've got to be there and gauge it as needed. But as a rule of thumb, Jason, is that more of a daily thing or just as needed? As a rule of thumb, and then those are key words because every breed's different, every animal's different. Um, man, we've talked about the Simmental breed. We've got every size, shape, color, and kind of hair you can think of wrapped <laughs> up in one breed. Yeah. So you've got to understand, you know, what they're, what that hair, what that animal needs. Yeah. For us, as a rule of thumb, if we can sit down and write a showborn Bible, and this is how we're going to do it day by day, that's going to be, we're going to use pro hair darn sure five, if not six days a week. 
and on day six or day seven, we're going to get some oil back in them. Pro Charge, um, gloss, pink, something with an oily type base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the good old sheens, we're, we're still big believers in just a good old uh, laser sheen, pro sheen type deal. Um, that's going to be just a little more oily than a pro hair. Um, so, yeah, you know, five or six days, and then we're going to have one day of uh, let's grease them up. You know, let's get some natural body oils back in those cattle and keep their hair and hide pretty healthy. And in that, like, say, seven-day window, is there a day of soap in there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we live, once again, western Oklahoma, home of the red dirt. And it's um, windy, it's dusty, dirty. Yeah, we, we if ideally, well, I'll just lay it out like this. Ideally, we're not going to do much on Sunday. We're going to go to church. We're going to do some family things. Um, the cattle might not get messed with on Sunday. On Monday, uh, we're going to come in there. We're going to soak those critters. And, and we're going to strip them of all that red dirt that's blown in them. We're going to strip them of the hay that's bedded down in that hair. We're going to strip them of the mud that they've laid in. Um, but when I say strip, we're also stripping them of them body oils, those natural body oils. So we're going to get them clean. And we're going to get them real clean. And then we're going to spend the next three or four days, you know, working hair with the sheens and the pro hairs. Putting it back um, in. And then we're, yeah, you know, getting the life back in that hair. And then Saturday, um, hey, they're going to have a day off. Um, let, let's oil them back up. Let, let's put some, some conditioner back in them. Let's put some oil back in them. That would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I... I I know, um, you know, talk about the rinsing part of it. Man, we'd like to soak once, maybe twice a week, darn sure rinse every day. Um, but that doesn't happen here. As much as I wish it did, we don't. You know, uh, for us, when we talk about fall time compared to the summer, the summer, you know, we'll have six to eight, nine head in the barn. Uh, that's pretty easy for a family of four to manage. We can handle it. You know, uh, today my wife and I worked on sale babies for, um, we've got three or four different sales we're a part of this fall. Um, We hung halters and worked on 28 head. Well, guess what? Those show heifers didn't get work today. So when fall rolls around, whether it's preparing sale cattle, whether it's uh, ball games for the kids, whether it's school activities, whether we're on the road at a show, um, fall gets real, real busy for us, just like I think it does most Americans. Um, you know, uh, the kids are back in school. Um, man, we're so excited with the corona and everything that, that our girls are blessed to be able to go back to school. But, man, they weren't gone very long. And Jenny and I were like, man, where'd all our help go? Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> so... So, yeah, ideally, that, that's how we would do it, but, but we're realistic, too, that um, for us, and like I said, I think a lot of people, uh, fall's a good time, but it's a busy time, and that just leads into winter with less daylight hours. And so the routine part of things maybe doesn't happen as religiously as it does in the summer for us. Um, we wish it did, uh, but we're realistic and realize that it doesn't either. I feel like, Jason, you covered a lot of ground right there, but what I appreciate so much about what you just talked about 
And I feel like our listeners maybe along with me have just kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And why <laughs> the reason that is, is because you just kind of said, Hey, we don't do everything perfect every day. And dad gummit, some days the storm blows the tree on the fence and you got to go cut up the tree and fix the fence. And uh, some days the, the pickup has a blowout and you got to go fix the blow. I mean, life happens. And as much as we have this routine planned and we can talk about it on these podcasts or read it in these books that, man, things happen. And um, it's good to hear from you. And I, I appreciate your openness and honesty about that so much, Jason, that, hey, you know, we do it as best we can. And here's the goal. We don't always get it all done, but this is what we're trying to do. And that was really good for me to hear. And I hope it was good for our listeners to hear too and i suspect that it was because uh, the, the there's some honesty can, right there the worst thing i can do is is open up social media and see one of my buddies or one of my competitors um on the wash rack or on the tire <laughs> there. i know and, and i know I'm, I'm stuck at a truck stop somewhere or something i'm like oh man i need to be at home doing this but but it's it's the facts of life i mean uh you know if i could be repetitive you know, it's it's the four of us. We don't have yeah. full time help. Um, <clears throat> yeah, wish we did, um, but you know, uh, we don't. So, you know, we got to be realistic and pretty honest with ourselves. And yeah, we we gotta we gotta do all we can, and we gotta set priorities. Um, but like you said, sometimes uh, you know there there may be an emergency type deal that takes priority over everything else. I want to back up just a little bit too, Jason, and talk about, you know, you're washing the cattle once a week, maybe sometimes twice a week, but let's talk about soap just a little bit because soap has come a mile. And, uh, you know, I've talked to people that are just religious about their soap. They're going to use even maybe some human products, some human shampoos for their soap on their cattle. I know all the supply companies now have come out with their own lines of soap. And then you've used the word old school two or three times, but the fact is, when you're dealing with large volumes of cattle, you've got to be pretty money conscious about the, the the dollars that you're spending on all these supplies. So I know a lot of people are just going to go down to the grocery store and buy some dish soap, and that's going to be their soap. So where are you at, like in terms of not sell cattle necessarily, but the show cattle, the the elite string that you're going to take out? Are you using just a basic generic soap, or are you using some of these more advanced soaps? Jake, I'm, I, and I've changed my ways. I mean, I, I have. Um, and, you know, we obviously, you know, um, I work with Weaver and I use Weaver products. And I'm going to suggest, and I'm not saying it's a have to, but I'm going to suggest because we have seen a change in our cattle. We've seen a change in the hair quality that when it comes to those show cattle, and those upper end cattle, there's... There's two avenues that, that I do not want to cut corners on, and that's going to be the product I use on them and the feed that we feed them. Um, you know, yeah, we, we got to save every penny we can, but um, I, I give, and I know they're going to hear this and hopefully chuckle, and I'll, I'll get uh, get a phone call. We'll all laugh about it again, but it, it seems like uh, quite regularly, our, our great team at Weaver will send me a new shampoo. And I instantly go, man, we got another shampoo to try. But they're so committed to 
you know, being a step ahead, trying to find something that's better than what we've already had, that they kind of knock the ball out of the park every time we get a new one. Um, they've got one that, that's it's called Degreaser Shampoo, and that's the one we would use on those Mondays to, to get them things clean, I mean, to get after it. They've it's more got, of a deep uh, clean kind of a shampoo. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not certain. We haven't tried it yet. Anybody that's been in my clinics heard me say it, but I think that stuff takes the black off of a tire. I mean, it, it's stout. Um, so I'm a big believer of that, that, man, if we're going to soak these things, let's let's foam them up. Let's get them clean. I mean, let's don't just kind of break through it. Let, let's get them stripped out. Let's get them done. Um and then, you know, it also goes back to those cattle. It, it goes back to the breed and the, and the type of hair you have. And, you know, that's going to vary. So you've got to be able to sample what, what shampoo you're going to use. Um, you know, that they've got a mild shampoo that, hey, if we, we've got those things and we're in Denver and, you know, we're bedded in two foot of straw at night and they come in the next morning, you blow straw out, they're just as clean as they were before, you know, we're, we're not going to use it a stout degreaser shampoo. You know, we're going to use a mild, uh, a coconut. Some a little gentler. Yeah. Something doesn't strip gentler. them out as much. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's one that thing. That makes sense. And, and I'm not going to condemn anybody that, that uses, um, a dish soap. Uh, cause man, I've done it. Um, I, I've done it many, many times. Um, but you know, just because I've had the opportunity to compare products. Um, and I have seen with my own two eyes that there is a benefit in using those products. And there's been scientists behind them to make sure we've got the right ingredients to make it work the way it does. You know, it's not just a sales gimmick. I mean, it's something we've used and I've seen a difference in it. That's good advice. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. You know, we're talking about working the hair. And all of that is so that we can grow some hair, right? And let's hit fast forward. Um, you know, now we've got some hair on these things. And let's say that hair's clicking out there two, three inches long, especially on the places we like to clip. You know, their neck and their shoulders tend to hair up pretty quick. Um, their stifle and their legs, their bellies tend to hair up pretty quick. Hopefully we're getting some tail head hair and some hair down their tops by this time. Something that we struggle with here is knowing how much to clip on them in order to keep the hair working correctly. And what I mean by that, Jason, is that when that hair gets long, even good hair sometimes can get a little funky in the way that it lays in there. And so are you a believer in trying to clip on those cattle, not necessarily to to, to put a, a show clip type of, of uh, finish on them, but just to keep that hair working a little bit? Where do you land on that? We, we do, Jake. Um, and once again, you know, we're, we're a little bit different than than the average uh, 4-HFFA kid that, that's got a few they're working on that, you know, like I said, in the past, you know, we're working on 40 of them. Yeah. And and with that being said, um, yeah, we, we, keep, we keep a lot of them, I say, knocked back, you know. Uh, yeah, that's a good keep, way of putting uh, it. Yeah, you know, keep keep those front ends knocked back. Uh, keep the belly hair. If we got one that's got massive amount of belly hair, uh, we might keep that just a little more in tuned. Um, you know, you know how it is. It, it gets too long, even on a really good one. 
uh, you stick a blower in there, you know, it can get ratted up a little bit. Yes. Yep. Um, they go out there and, you know, if they lay in the mud or the wet grass or whatever it is, um, yeah, I, I say for the most part, we kind of keep them in check or, 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 you know, knocked back a little bit. Um, we're not necessarily going in there and buzzing heads tight. and We hardly ever go in there and take a top tight till it's dang near game day. Um, but there are parts of that animal that, that we'll kind of try to keep, you know, how oh, I don't know what the right word. Um, it just kind of tipped down. Is, yeah, that's a yeah, word that came to my mind is just kind of those long ends kind of tipped off and just keep some basic lines of symmetry in them. And if you're anything like me, and this might be totally wrong in your opinion, but I'm going to tell you the truth about me. There comes a point where they grow enough hair that I just get tired of looking at them. Like I, I want to yeah. see them look better at some point, especially they're, if they're getting a lot of shag on the top of their neck or their tail heads growing out really tall and obnoxious. I'm just like, okay, I don't care. I'm clipping some of that off today. Well, I, I did that today. I did that today. In fact, if you watch social media, you'll probably see us post that effort next day or two. We got one out here that we got for sale, private treaty. And, um, man, for the last two weeks, I didn't want to touch this critter. I mean, she had just some really, for August especially, I mean, some really good hair. Man, we've been washing it, working it, and, you know, getting it just right. And uh, I blew her out today, and I was like, Okay, it's time. I, I I can't look at her in the wool anymore. We we gotta see this girl, and so I reared back and and burned her down a little bit and uh, kicked her out there and just for the fun of it, we were out there taking a picture and video. And I was like, okay, uh, we peeled her back a hair. It's time to time to put her on on Facebook. See what we can do here. So I I know exactly what you're saying. I hear you. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you a question. If you're clipping today. And this is a, a fun debate that we all kind of have around here. Some people believe it. Some people don't believe it. I I do it. I'm going to tell you I do it, and so I tend to believe it. Do you clip by the signs? And, and what I mean by that, if you're a listener and you've never heard this expression in the uh, old farmer's almanac, you can look up, or now you can even Google it up, the best days in a given month to clip hair to increase growth or to clip hair to decrease growth. And we have begun to clip only on those days where the almanac predicts it'll be a day to increase the growth of hair. In other words, the theory or the thought is there are certain days in the month, if you clip them, it actually makes the hair grow faster. Are you a buyer into that at all? Do you believe that? Uh, Jake, at one time, I said, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I thought I knew something nobody else did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I know. That's the way we all were at one time. But I think but, the secret's out. Now, it's public knowledge enough hands down we clip by the signs um especially the show cattle um those things if it's a hair day uh we may clip a tail we may clip the bottom of a neck we may just something though just get something clipped i in fact it's all of 2020 is already programmed in my phone (laughs) is that right okay yeah, I got a notification for every hair day. It pops up at 7 o'clock in the morning if it's a hair day. All right, there you um, have it. He's a believer. You heard it here first. So yeah, I am a believer, but um, I think I'm more of a realist than I am a believer uh-huh. because, man, they, these cell babies, for example, they're stacking up on us. If I got to wait on that one hair day, yeah, uh, I got to hire an army in here to help me get it done. Cause, so. But show cattle, yes, we, we clip by the signs. L babies, uh, 
we do it when we got to it. Yeah, you got. I've got help this weekend. Guess what? We're clipping this weekend. I don't care what the signs say. Yeah, I get that. Okay, now i got to ask you something else about clipping, and I'm going to show my own ignorance here, I'm sure, but I don't care because I want to know. We went looking around at some um, some heifers for my daughters last fall, some babies, and we're going to talk about the fun of getting to do that a little later too. But as I went around, I saw this thing, and I'd never seen it before. We'd pull into a place, and they'd have a pin full of these heifers to look at, and they would be all clipped out. They'd been washed, blowed, clipped, were ready to look at, except for their head. And their head looked like a buffalo, it was so hairy. They would clip everything, I'm talking about from their ears back, everything was clipped, but their head still had the full length, the full shag, never been touched with clippers in its life. And I finally asked a guy, I said, all right here, I'm sure this is a dumb question, but I gotta know, why haven't you clipped their heads? And they said, well, the the new thought, the new theory is, is that if you don't shave their heads, the rest of the body hair continues to grow in better or something like that. Have you seen this? You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, Jake, I have seen it. And years and years ago, you know, go back to, you know, those, those early college days when we were working sales in the spring. Um, even when, before that, when my dad was running around clipping some club cast sales, we used to see it more so in the springtime because the theory was as soon as you sheared their head, they're going to start losing hair. Yes. Now that I can buy into. I've just never yeah. seen it in the fall. The, the fall, uh, I think I think the guy that told you that, I, I think there's some truth to it. Uh, we're starting, or I'm starting to see more and more of it now uh-huh. than we did. Uh-huh. Um, the, if you see that at our place, the, the reason is I hate shearing heads, and I just didn't do it. Just, but, okay. There's no <laughs> science behind that. It's just like I'm not going to do it today. But, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> you know that that's something fall time we haven't done. I have seen it, and and I guessed, you know, that gentleman, uh, the answer he gave you, that, that would have been my guess also. Um, but for us, you know, a lot of times I'll do that. And when we shear that head, you know, if I've got a certain animal that somebody's coming to look at that they're interested in buying, if I clip her all out and I don't do her head, well, if I do her head the day they're coming, um, man, it just gives them such a, a fresh look. You know, a fresh sheared head, I mean, it doesn't get much fresher than that. But the true theory on, on leaving those hairs or those heads hairy. I think that is true that that body hair continues to come um, if you don't mess with the head on the the hair on the head. So. And see what you just said right before that is kind of where I guess I would land too, Jason. I'm such a snob about the quality of an animal's head mm-hmm. that it it's so distracting for me to look at that. And I'm not listen. I ain't throwing rocks. I'm not being critical of anybody who does that. Everybody's got their own program. But for myself, um, if someone was coming to look. I don't know. I would just feel, I would feel awkward about not having their head shaved, even if I waited until the day they were coming to look to shave them. But I'm, I think, you know, more and more people are doing this and I may wise up and, and we may talk six months from now. And I say, man, I'm a believer in that too. So I'm going to learn, I'm going to get smart on that, but that is something yeah, I've man, noticed that I wanted to ask you about. Man, we're, we're never, never too old to, to quit learning. Isn't that true? I think we've, we've learned it all. That's our biggest mistake, but so yeah, I mean, that's something I need to probably investigate into and see if there's some truth to it. But I'm a lot like you, too. Um, you know, I'm going back to that one we did today. That that girl's got just absolute 
most beautiful head on her. Yes, yeah. And, I want to show that thing off. Yeah, when well, I got that thing peeled back, man, it, it, it showed the width between her eyeballs, the the shape of her pole, her ear set, her jawline. I mean, man, I want that thing peeled back. She looks like a lady with it. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. Well, all right, let's take a different direction now. And listen, this is this is something that a trap we can all fall into. It is so much fun working hair and growing hair and clipping, but that's only a part of the equation in, in getting one to the backdrop. Feeding is such a huge component of any of us having success with show cattle. And I'm talking about if you're selling them or if you're show day and, and you're trying to get to the backdrop. Feeding is is so big a component of this and so often, I think, overlooked, unfortunately. But listen, folks, you guys are talking with someone in Jason Elmore who has become, in my opinion, a great feeder, and especially of females. And, and I know he shows bulls, too, but there's a lot of similarities. But in these breeding cattle, let's call them, Jason has really become a specialist, in my opinion, on feeding. So we want to pick your brain a little bit about this, Jason. So let's say again, set up the scenario. It's summertime and we're moving into fall. And let's say we're feeding like a yearling bred heifer type of female, okay? Mm-hmm. In your barn, at your camp right now, where do you want those heifers to be for condition? Well, Jake, we're we're gearing our heifers up for, for our state show, Tulsa State Fair. And when um, is that? Uh, it'll be right at October 1st. So, so we're 45 days out? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, so that can go for any, whenever you're listening to this, let's say you're 45 days away from the show you're gearing up for. Take us in from there. First of all, and I think this, I'm not a steer guy by no means, but I think it can play a little bit on the steer game and the heifers and, and bulls, all of it. It's a whole lot easier to hold than it is to push. Um, so today we're 40, 45 days out from our first show of the season. You know, will we be 12 o'clock October 1st at Tulsa? Yeah, I hope so. But if we're 1145, knowing we've still got Kansas City, Louisville, hey, I'm okay with that. So I would say today we're, we're hovering 10 o'clock. Um, those cattle, one, I hate one that's fat, you Uh know, uh, Uh you know, I'm, I'm never going to see, you're never going to see, um, heifers at our place too fat. If they are, they're not the ones being successful by no means. Um, I want those things to be fresh. Uh I don't want them skinny, but I darn sure don't want them fat. Um, so we're, we're hovering that 10 o'clock point that, um, Man, I, I hope I hope we've got some nice ones. I'm sure proud of what we've got in the barn. That you know they're they're starting to show the features of of their shape, their rib shape, their body shape, um, the freshness in their front end, the fullness in their heart and their flank, without being fat. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know if that directly answers the question, but. Um, you know, it, it's tough to, you know, we're in Oklahoma. I mean, man, it, we show at Tulsa on, on show day, uh, you know, we could be in the upper 30s or we could be 110. Um, and that weather's going to start fluctuating a lot on us. So, 
we've got to be able to be to that point for us. Um, I would rather be 12-15 and be able to pull back than to be 11-45 and pushing a fire out of them trying to get them to that point. That's interesting. So, uh, And I know there's guys, I mean, i got a very dear friend of mine that, that's very, very competitive. They have a lot of success. He sees it a little bit differently than I do. And that's, I think that's one cool thing about this industry is, man, um, what we do works for us and what, what you do works for you. Um, and I think that's a, that's a cool thing about it is there's so many different ways of doing it. And that's how we look at it. Um, you know, we're big on feeding a lot of fiber, a lot of fiber, you know, uh, yours, my old, uh, old judging coach, uh, I remember him coming to this place with a with a workout for with his judging team to work out. And he walked over to the bunk and he's like, "My gosh, man!" He goes, "It looks like they're eating a wool sweater." <laughs> and and he's kind of, you know, I guess he, uh, we feed a lot of fiber in trying to build rib and body um, without getting them fat. Yeah. Okay, you were real honest about something earlier during the the hair working part of our discussion, and you said you know, this is what we try to do, but it might not always work that way. So in that same spirit, I think in reality, when it comes to feeding these heifers, we want to keep them fresh, but especially like if you have one of those real easy doing kind of heifers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This time of the year on a yearling bred heifer, I know I've found myself before with one, you go out there and you're like, dang it, you know, that brisket's getting a little heavy. She's pudging up around her tail head. When you find yourself in a situation where you've gone just a little too far overboard on condition right now, and you're still 45 days away from that show, you made the comment, it's easier to hold than push. How do you begin holding one like that? I guess, Jake, for us, um, and I'm not a feed salesman, uh, man, I barely passed nutrition at Oklahoma state. Um, I've kind of, you know, have, I've never been afraid to ask, you know, we're blessed in this industry to, uh, I've done it to you, um, pick up the phone and call and ask questions. So there's a mazillion different answers for that. So I'm just going to tell you what ours is and, and that's jack the protein up. Um, keep that fat at a minimal and, and, and raise that protein at a high rate of speed. Um, for us, and I'm not being a promoter of a product by no means because you know I don't make any money for it. I don't work for a feed company. We use a Perina Fitter 35 or Perina. Yeah. Uh, we use that too here. Yep. Um, bump the protein, whatever it is. Um, you know, said before that uh, it's not what we feed; it's how we feed. Oh, I think that's there's good. A, there's a lot of management. Um, in feeding over what you feed and you know and that's another source you know um i just got off the phone with a, a customer of ours in california yesterday you know their availability to products out there are completely different than what we have isn't that so wild have, when you see the byproducts people use or go down to georgia or something and the byproduct yeah, yeah. i mean it's crazy what's available in different places so you got to adapt to your environment um, but the protein's the main thing. I mean, you want to burn the fat back, raise the protein. Um, and, and that's what we do. Um, Tarina's the product we choose to use, and, and it works for us. So, 
Well, like I said, a little later on in the show, we're going to talk about going out and, and trying to find a new show heifer in the fall. But let's say we've already landed on one and we've bought a new show heifer, a little springboard calf. She's been weaned 30 days, let's say, Jason, and we've got her home. Let's talk a little bit about getting one like that started. And I think when we buy a heifer calf, it tends to be one of two scenarios. Either A, you buy one and she's pretty stinking green, maybe a little too green to really take out in public quite yet. Or the other side of that coin is that this is a heifer that's really been highly fit for sale and maybe she's been on feed for a while and maybe she's about as fat as she needs to be at this stage of the game. Talk to us about the difference in starting a new heifer that you've brought home in both of those situations, please. The, the basics of it, Jake, whether they're skinny, whether they're fat, um, first and foremost thing we're going to do, and not to jump off into to a health um, segment of this, but nothing gets off the trailer at our house that they're not wormed. Uh, um, yeah. we, we, I mean, literally, there, there's a jug sitting at the loadout, and, and they're bare minimum poured, if not drenched, immediately. And the next thing we do, bare minimum, 48 hours, is the absolute best prairie blue stem hay we can put them on. Uh-huh. Um, so not directly answering your question, but telling you a couple little things we do is, is one, whatever feed they've been on or haven't been on, um, we've got to get their guts right. And, and we're going to do that with a probiotic and good prairie grass hay. And we're going to get those enzymes going, and then we're going to go from there. And uh, if we've brought one home, um, that that's a little greasy, you know. Uh, you know, she's she's got a little cushion to her. Um, that one's going to live on that hay for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. um, and and she'll be fine on it. You know, we might throw her a, a protein tub. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of keep uh, and more, more so than anything that's got probiotics in it. Um, because they are having on. to make an adjustment to your ration, you know, from whatever they've been on. So that's important. Right. Yeah. Empty their guts out, you uh-huh. know, uh, clean them out, get them, get them balanced on a hay. And, and we do that on one that's a little greasy. Um, one that's a little behind, um, Hey, we're working on lower that protein a little bit. Um, we're going to keep that fiber pretty high. I'm just a big believer in that on those females. And, and we're going to start pushing, um, and we're going to get them to where we need to be, and we're going to push them pretty hard and pretty fast. Um, you know, try to get them caught up to where they need to be. And, and you know, there's no shame in, in buying a green one by no means. Um, Might be better greatest, in some situations. Yeah, that the greatest eyes out there can see one yeah. skinny. Um, my grandpa used to tell me that fat's the prettiest color. Um, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. But, man, I've got a lot of respect for those guys that can see a skinny green one and and try to project them into the future and what they can do with them. But, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, you got to get their guts right because you jump them off the trailer and, and go throw them a sack of feed or whatever you've got in the barn. Uh, it's something new. It's something different. They're going to gorge themselves on it. Next thing you know, you, you've got all sorts of gut problems and, and things you got to get ironed out before you can start feeding them the way they need to be fed. You know, you grew up showing, you've been doing this as a career now for uh, the better part of a, a, a more than a decade, actually. 
And I think in that time, you would agree that we've seen some changes come and go in the trends of how we're feeding these heifers. And what I see right now, Jason, in the show ring, tell me if you agree, but what I see is that freshness is in style. I hear that comment on the microphone. I make it on the microphone. I know you're judging a lot of shows now, but cattle are rewarded for being fresh. Part of that is there's a uh, an extreme appreciation for tight-fronted, tight-chested, long-necked, flat-shouldered heifers right now. And put a lot of fat up there, you lose that. So you really hear judges comment a lot about freshness. Also, these leaner cattle tend to move better. And there's a heavy emphasis on flawless structure in the show ring. And those leaner, greener cattle tend to move better. And, and you know, it's just a cool look. It's You used a word earlier that I like talking about shaving heads and it's ladylike. I think those heifers just look more ladylike and natural when they're fresh. But let's be honest again, man, that is so stinking hard to balance that freshness with having enough condition on them to give them that shape and bloom that they need to actually win because you can be too skinny at a show. So that's such a fine line that we're asked to walk right now, in my opinion. First of all, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I do, Jake. Um, not saying I like it, but, but I agree with it. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, a fresh, pretty one with that perfect silhouette, um, man, they're fun to look at. They're fun to show. And, and a lot of times it gets you a backdrop. And I may be stepping out on a limb just a bit here, but I don't think I, I'm going too far, or at least not going out on that limb by myself, because I've had this conversation with quite a few others. I think, think in the past year and i'm pretty confident in this next year we're starting to see cattle get back to where they need to be and don't get me wrong Uh, okay open that up a little bit getting back to where they need to be as far as what putting some power back in these females um don't get me wrong that that silhouette that chiseled front end uh that flat shoulder that flawless killer look I love it. Yeah, I, I do too. It. I'm right there with you. But the industry as a whole, we're starting to see a need for some substance. Um, it's one thing to have a lot of flex when we talk about those cattle at the ground. It's another for them to be just weak pasture and fine bone. And like you said, you know, skinnier cattle with not much substance will be able to move good. Skinnier cattle are going to be prettier fronted. Um, so I, and I've seen that, you know, in watching a few shows these past years and, and watching the guys that were sorting and judging those that I've got a lot of respect for, we've seen them start to find those cattle that still got a killer look, but they've got a little more substance to them. They've got a little more width of chest. They're opened up in their heart a little bit. They've got a little more muscle and, you know, as much as I love hanging a halter on one, as much as I love, you know, blowing and clipping and foo-fooing on these things, at the end of the day, these cattle were put on this earth to eat grass and make hamburgers. Mm-hmm. And that old skinny flat-sided one, uh, not much junk in her trunk, you know, just ain't going to produce those hamburgers. And it's going to take a lot more feed to get her there. So I think as a whole, we're starting to see that, and I think, I hope, and, you know, I'm getting a little bit of soapbox here. I hope that's a trend we see coming up before too long. I think you're right, though. 
I, I mean, just watching watching some of the shows this summer, I think people are are maybe trending back the direction you're talking about. But at the same time, and I'll get on the soapbox too here, I guess. I think we're also doing a better job breeding cattle where it's not an either-or situation. It's a both-and situation. And yeah. what, I, what I mean by that is before it seemed like we either had those cattle like you just described that were maybe a little flat, but they had that killer silhouette, or we had those that were pretty stout and cowy, but it came at the expense of some brisket and, and maybe a little tighter moving or something. But as mm-hmm. genetics advance and as we get better breeding them, I think we're seeing more and more of them in the population now that can kind of do it both. And that's super cool. I mean, if you want to talk about something that makes, that gets you pumped up and get your heart racing a little bit, when you see one like that, that kind of touches all the bases, holy moly, that's when it gets fun and exciting. And I think we're making more of those. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We are. And, and they are fun to see. I mean, uh, and, and this industry, and you know this, that, Man, there there are some extremely talented people in this business, and, and I don't care if it's with a feed bucket or it's in a genetic breeding program or it's a set of clippers. Um, man, that there's just not many things in America I think that are as packed full of the talent that this industry has. So to be successful, um, that, that, that bucket of success or the items that got to go in that toolbox or that bucket to make success, man, you, you got to have a lot of it anymore. Um, but at the same time, you know, Jenny and I tell so many of those in, in our clinic or customers that at the end of the day, you, you got to be proud of, of what you've got and what you were able to do yes. Um, yes. with your Such resources. And, and I, I hope, all of us, and especially the youth and the kids, don't lose focus of that. That's um, a great point, Jason. You know, be be proud of the thing you're hanging a halter on. Be proud of the work you put into it. You know, don't don't walk out of the show ring with regrets that, well, I didn't work hard enough. You know, uh, that regret factor only comes in the in uh, the negative aspect of things of of not doing what we could do because. I guess I'm kind of talking circles here, but, but the talent level in this industry is huge. And uh, uh, it, it's a fun game to play, but it, but it's not an easy game either. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's a fun game, but it's not an easy game. Well, we're talking about those really cool show heifers, so let's just kind of pivot right now and, and go into that. Keeping with our theme of going into the fall here, you know, one of the funnest things to do, if you're able to, is to go out and hit a few sales and try and pick up a new show heifer. I don't care who you are. You know, every time you open up your phone now, uh, you click on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, there's a picture from somebody somewhere, a video of a freshly clipped little show heifer walking across the screen. And we all do. I mean, for telling the truth, we all stop and look. And we're like, ooh, that, that thing's pretty cool. Who's got that one? You know, I, I love going through there and looking at those. And it's even funner if you can jump in the pickup and actually go see them in person or attend attend one of the sales and maybe get to bring one home. But, Jason, when we're doing that, in your opinion, and I know you're involved with a lot of sales through the fall and the spring marketing your own cattle, but whether you're picking one out or whether you're talking to a customer who's looking at some of your cattle, what are some of your personal top priorities that you're going to look for when you're selecting a show heifer? I'm starting at the ground up, hands down. Um, those cattle, they, they've got to be right at the ground. Um, 
that foundation, that footwork, that structure is is huge to me. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm as guilty as anybody of, ah, well, I can trim her feet or I can do this, I can do that and make her better. A lot of us can. Um, but that's first and foremost. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty high on, you know, the, the structure aspect of things. Um, after structure, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I guess my next trait would be, would be body and the, the capacity they have. Um, start at the ground, go up to the rib shape, the body shape, you know, that part of it. Um, the muscling would probably be third. You know, they've got to have enough. But all of that combined, Jake, when I'm looking at them, is we got to remember, and if you've ever watched me judge a show, you've probably heard me say this, that um, key emphasis on the word show. And with that, they've got to have a look. They are show cattle, aren't they? They are show yep. cattle. That's, that's a truth. Whether we like it or not, we're going to a show. they got to got to look the part, don't they? Yeah, they they got to be right from the ground up. And more times than not, if they're right at the ground, you're going to find a lot of pieces above that hoof that you're going to like. So true. Um, yep. and, and then after that, um, just that wow factor, uh-huh. that, that come get me look. Um, you know, they, they, they're they intriguing. And you got to remember, you're walking in the show ring, and if that thing can look like she can walk on water um, and has a killer look, I don't care who the judge is, you're, you're grabbing his attention. And he's going to come back and give you a second look. So that's so, how I look at them, you know, when we're trying to rank priorities or, or find that next one. I wanted to ask you, but we've already kind of tackled this, when we're picking out a show heifer, and, and to your point a little bit, it is a show. And um, I heard Bob May on another podcast talk about this, and he said, to some extent, I put my personal feelings aside when I'm going to pick out a show animal because if I know that the trend this year is that they're they're picking them either this way or that way, I'm going to go try and find one like they're picking because I want to win. And I really appreciated when he said that. I thought that was a good statement. But you and I were talking about maybe there's a trend towards cattle with a little more substance or stoutness or bone. So is that something, in your opinion, that customers and, and kids, and when they're looking, do they need to be looking more that direction? in hopes of having some success in the coming year? Yeah, Jake, you know, um, I think you talk about that success, and I go back to an old quote that Bob Badford, racehorse legend Bob Badford made. If you're going to be successful in this business, you've got to live and breathe every second of it. And I think there's a lot of truth. When I say that is, um, hey, if you're just going to, to get you a county fair calf and, and it's a hobby, it's something you want to do for fun, hey, so be it. You know, uh, have your goals in mind, but if you're going to be serious and you're going to play it at the big league levels, the, the Kansas Cities, the Louisville's, the Denver's, those major shows in Texas, um, you've got to know this business. You've got to know, like Bob said, put your personal feelings aside yeah. and know hey, maybe that's not exactly the one I would have picked last year, but but we're kind of going in this trend. 
I better take my blinders off and look around yes, yes. and be able to, hey, I, nobody can get one as wrong as, as quick as I can, but you've got to try to project that thing. And, um, you know, we're talking nationwide here, so let's talk, uh, you know, where's that animal going to be as a bred heifer at Denver in 2022? Yeah. Uh, and what's the industry, what's the biggest, you know, we never know the outcome. We never know what the judge is going to do that day. We don't even know who's going to be judging that day. But we've got to be familiar with the industry. Where's this Where's this path going? Um, and have a goal or mindset of what it's going to be. It's at least got to factor into your decision. I mean, you got to have a little bit of a crystal ball that you can look into. And like you said, we're not going to be right all the time. We not, might not be right half the time. But isn't that a component of selection? I mean, you got to look down the road and, and try and anticipate what's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. you. And then that's just part of I don't expect the kids of the youth uh, to understand that or be able to, to do that. But, you know, uh, bouncing back to something I've already said, whether it be feeding or selection or, or whatever, man, this industry uh, is blessed with phenomenal people. Uh, Kirk Stairwell and I were having this conversation the other day that I don't care where we're at, coast to coast. If I broke down, yeah, I'm yep. 30, 45 minutes from help. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. It is such a small world somebody, in this business. Yep. Yeah, I know somebody that knows somebody that can give me help. Hey, and yes. I'm, I'm living proof of it. I've been on the side of that room. <laughs> but with that, you know, um, in this business, you know, you got to be able to to talk and communicate and, and don't be afraid to reach out. And we all know it. I don't care what business you're in. There, there's some jerks out there that aren't going to lend out a hand or help. But, but in this one, more times than not, somebody's going to give you some advice. Somebody's going to say, hey, I was, I was at Junior Nationals this summer, and, and both Junior Nationals, these two breeds I went to, these were the type of cattle that will win. And I saw more of these, or I saw this person that's been successful in the past showing one that's showing this, that, that's portraying this trend. Um and they don't ever be afraid to, to ask and visit and communicate and, and try to figure the things out. Yeah, that's good advice, Jason. So, you know, as we're wrapping things up a little bit here, tell us a little bit about what you have at, at in your own operation coming up this fall. You have some sales scheduled. Is that going to look a little different because of the COVID thing? Are, are you attending a lot of shows, judging? Tell us what's coming up for you in the next couple of months. Jake, for our family, uh, we're charging on, you know, uh, this Corona deal has hands down, you know, the most impacting thing I hope that you and I ever see in our life. Oh, say that again. Um, but we've kind of geared back to the point of, man, I'm, I'm tired of of second guessing. Are we going to have school? Are we going to have this show? Or are we going to be able to have a sale? Are we going to have to do it online or, and, you know, every day get up and charge on. You know, we're carrying on like, like it wasn't 2020. Um, though we didn't have corona. We're doing, yeah, we're, we're, we, don't, we aren't undermining the corona by no means. But at the same time, we're continuing to live and we're continuing to charge on with our plans. So, um, you know, maybe I'm nuts. I, I hope not. But typically, 
uh, when it comes around fall sale season, you know, we'll sell uh, 15 to 20 um, heifer calves, show heifers. Um, this year, we're working signing to four different sales. Um, we've laid in close to 30 heifers, and I'm probably going to try to lay in another 10, 12 more. Um, you know, uh, that's probably crazy, and everybody's going, man, you don't even know if you're going to have a show or you're going to have a sale, but um, we're, we're putting them out there. You know, uh, we want the world to carry on. We want this industry to get back to normal, not to a new normal, but back to normal and, and, and going on, and I feel like it's uh, kind of... Uh, up to us to do our part and, and charge on. So we've got cattle available uh, privately. We've got cattle available in a few different sales. Um, maybe not putting all the eggs in the same basket or in one basket, but spreading it out a little bit. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, we'll find out. You know, I have seen, and I think we all have, that the second a big show has been shut down, two more jackpots pop up. Yeah, and they're so well attended. People yeah, are hungry so, for some shows. So, hey, um, maybe our goal won't be to show um, XYZ national caliber shows, but maybe we will show it ABC all the way down through the alphabet jackpots. Um, so I, I think that, that this country and this industry is, is craving it. I think we've missed it. Yeah, and you know, for the Elmore family, we're, we're gearing up. We're going to go. Um, That's so uh, well said, and and I respect that position that you're taking, Jason. And I think if you want to be a leader in the business, you've got to lead by example. And you guys are charging on, and this is your life, and this is who you are, and you can't stop doing that, uh, even when the chips maybe look a little unfavorable. And so I really respect your position. A friend of mine, Jerry Pfeiffer, told me a long time ago. If you're going to be in the business, you got to be in the business. And it takes inventory and it, and it takes continuing to, to do the things that you've done, even when that might not uh, be comfortable. And in a year like 2020, it, a lot of things we've done don't seem comfortable. And, and I know you're not, maybe uh, you don't have the same certainties that you've had some other years, but I really respect your position on that. And I think that's a smart move. Well, Jake, you said a word there that that's, it's kind of been a, a quote for us of, 2020 since we got kicked out of OIE and came home and, and that was the word comfort. Um, I am so much more concerned about my daughters, about our customers, about all those kids that come to our clinics, way more concerned about their character than I am their comfort. And then that's kind of been a saying around here. Of, hey, it's not easy. It's not comfortable, but we're way more concerned about how you're going to deal with your character versus being comfortable. That's great. And, and that's kind of where we're at, you know, shows coming up. Um, Hey, we got all the big ones on the calendar. Um, I've been very blessed and honored that I get a judge at, uh, Kansas city and Louisville this fall. Nice. Um, looking forward to that. So yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's not easy, but we're, we're doing the best we can to, to charge on. All right, Jason, as we begin to wrap this thing up uh, this evening, um, we're going to do kind of our fun, lighthearted part, part of the podcast that we do on every episode when we end it, and it's called Stock Shows 
and burritos. And in this part of the show, we either talk about a favorite stock show or a crazy story from the road or one of our favorite restaurants. Now, in the past few episodes, we've really dialed in on these restaurants. So I want to shift gears a little bit with you. I want you to tell us maybe about one of your favorite livestock events or a really, really great story from the road. You got anything like that you can share with us? Yeah, but that's kind of self-incrimination. I don't know how many people I'd be throwing under the bus when we're telling stories. But, uh, not to name names, but 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 I, I guess I could. You, you want me to tell the story about your brother-in-law? Or do you want me to tell a story about all of us being in Reno? Or, or which one of these guys do you want to convict the most? This so. is your podcast, buddy. I'm going to let you pick. Those are all great stories, by the way. Oh, dude, dude. Hey, anybody listening, you want to hear some good ones, you, let's all sit down. We, we can all tell a lot of stories about being on the road and show cattle and shows because there, there's a bazillion of them. Jake, I guess to answer that question, there, there's a couple moments that, that pop in that, that I guess I'd have to tell. One, um, I will never forget when we won our first national show. Oh, what was it? Yeah. What's that? What was it? It was Denver. Oh, okay. First time we won Denver. Um, and, and what an incredible year. We didn't just win Denver. We had uh, we had won a pin show. We had a division in the pins. Uh, we had a reserve bull on the hill. We had champion heifer. Um, I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it, it was an unbelievable year. And it was just the worst we did the whole year of like 20 some head would have been like a, a reserve division. Uh, mm. I mean, we, we had just an insane year, but, <laughs> and, and Willie couch, he'd, he'd be the one that kind of tests a lot of this. Um, I was pretty much on my deathbed. In fact, uh, I did not get to show our champion heifer because I was so sick. That oh no. If I would cough, I would actually lose so much air in my lungs, I'd pass out. Oh, my gosh. So, so like, I went in for division, and she's got to go back in for champion, and I've got to give the champion heifer somebody else to show because I was afraid I was going to pass oh, out. Oh, no, after all that, even got through division, and it's not going to work for you to get into the grand drive. Yeah, What'd yeah. you do? I stupid party is I, I drove myself to the hospital, and – I woke up with a breathing mask and IVs and still had my show harness on and um, a comb was laying over there in, in the wheelchair that they wheeled me in there. And <laughs> it was it was bad. Uh, you know, had, had the flu, bronchitis, pneumonia. You know, Maybe it was an early case of COVID. Did you ever think about that? Dude, it was, if that's what COVID <laughs> is, I'm staying away. It was a bad deal. But uh, So who showed the heifer? Uh, Greg Walthall showed her for me. He got her in there, and she won. And she won. Oh, my gosh. How did you hear the news? Did, were they calling oh, you, blowing up your phone? I watched it. Oh, okay. You still got to watch yeah. it. I, I left the second we took the picture. But um, that year, a couple things ring, ring through. That, that I had zero voice. I lost 100% of my voice. But being on the phone with Jenny and – telling her that we've broke through, you know, we're, we're not just a rookie anymore. We, we've got a piece of the big pie now. We're, we're not just chewing on crumbs and feeling like we, we've made our mark. We, we've, we've put our name out there. 
Yeah. And calling my dad oh. or actually texting because I couldn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> and to tell him the what we had done. And uh, that whole deal. And then, and then driving home and <laughs> Willie and I driving that potload of cattle home. And we were both so sick. Um, one of us would drive a couple hours and, and get out and get sick. And the other one would take the wheel and go a couple oh more gosh. hours. What a sight you guys were. <laughs> Man, it was rough. It was bad rough. But, the things we go through to do this. Oh, no joke. No joke. But but that sticks out. And another one that sticks out is, uh, and I guess it's not one. It, it's a accumulative of a bunch of them is Jake this industry. You remember those sitcom cheers? Oh, sure. Norm. You remember when Norm would walk in and everybody, Norm. Yeah. You know, that's what those barns are like yeah. to me and my family. Yeah. You know, uh, to walk in those barns and to sit on a show box and talk about the year and the goods and the bads and, you know, those barns for not just us, I know it's this way for a lot of people, that's really home and and that's where we feel at ease and that's where we feel at home and we're amongst uh the people we love the people we compete against uh the people we admire the people we work for or with um so i i can't pinpoint a show um yes our first national win was was a memory i won't ever forget um you know the most current one uh and, and being able to walk out of that ring, having a national champion animal, and, and my wife and little girls standing there in a big old family bear hug. That's what um, it's all about, isn't it? You know, man, that, them things, they, they hit a spot. Uh, and then there's all those other ones, you know. Talk back to your brother-in-law, Ty. I mean, there's a bunch of funny ones to go along with it, too. But for, for the sake of all of us in self-incrimination, we'll keep them to ourselves. We'll save those for a show box, okay? <laughs> you bet. Well, man, look, uh, I appreciate you so much for coming on. You've taken a lot of time with us out of an evening, by the way, uh, you know, time we could be playing with our kids. But coming on here and doing the Cattle Pros podcast means a lot to us, and we want to tell you thank you very much. And most importantly, Jason, we want to give our listeners the correct information on how they can connect with you. So share with us your Facebook, your website, any contact information uh, that you have for people that want to know more about Elmore Cattle Services. You bet, Jake. Be, be honored to. Um, nowadays, I guess I'd have to say uh, Facebook, Instagram's the way to go. Uh, our Facebook page, Elmore Cattle Services. Um, I'm bad at checking the messages on there. I'm, I'm still just a little bit old school, so I'm a little slow on checking that. But that's the best way. Or, uh, man, I'm not a post at all throwing a phone number out there because – yeah, please you know, do. Uh, shoot a text at any time. I'm always willing to answer a question or help or visit or tell those yep. stories. Um, mine is 580-554-1278. Very good. Well, Jason, we sure appreciate you coming on here. You shared a lot of your wisdom and advice and knowledge with us, as you do with a lot of people. And, uh, on behalf of our audience and myself, we're very, very grateful and uh, thank you. And we look forward to seeing you at some of these events later on this fall. You bet. Jake, thank you. Uh, my hat's off to you for doing these podcasts. Uh, 
You're doing a great job, and man, we look forward to every single one of them. They've been good. Keep up the good work. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, and we'll talk soon, Jason. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Uh Uh-huh.